Now let's discuss more of the headlines and simple keywords with Adam, who is joining us over Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Well, good morning, John. How are you doing? Doing good. Um, the story continues to make headlines, and of course, it's cacao. We talked uh, extensively about that yesterday. Um, but uh, you know, the government and politicians, and even the president, has chimed in on the issue. So let's get straight to it. The first keyword of the day. Cacao recovery. So the firm is saying that it's working for a full recovery of its services disrupted by a fire at the data center over the weekend. Uh, public backlash is continuing. And also, as I mentioned briefly, uh, political backlash uh, the company is now facing. That's right. So we're going to get on to the political kind of reactions and the uh, backlash and uh, the heat that the company is facing in the second keyword. Mm -hmm. But uh, in terms of the actual updates regarding the, the company and the recovery process, a company official said some of the less popular services are still unavailable, but the firm is working on them. Uh, Kakao said the recovery process is taking longer than expected due to uh, the massive server loss. And uh, the fire was put out within eight hours, but an immediate power shutdown at the data center caused a power outage uh, in the services. And according to authorities, CCTV caught a fire starting on a battery stored three floors underground of the data center at just before 3.30 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, at around 5 p.m., fire, uh, fire officials asked the data center to turn the entire power off in order to extinguish uh, the fire, which led to the widespread server outage. Um, the actual reason for the fire itself and why the fire started in the battery is still being investigated. Of course, Kakao wasn't the only um, company to be affected. Most of neighbor servers have also been uh, recovered as well. Neighbor services suffered a partial malfunction on the day of the fire, but they were restored in a few hours. That is usually the case uh, when it comes to tech firms and giants when they do face outages. I mean, it's not nothing new. I mean, Silicon Valley firms such as, you know, Google and uh, all these social media networks, they have suffered outages before, but they are usually recovered within the space of a uh, few hours. But in terms of cacao, it's still ongoing for a couple of days now. Uh, that's why the incident has led to calls for better contingency plans amid an increase in data centers as there's more demand for data usage. Uh, and there is also actually a movement online trying to get people to file a suit against the firm as well, demanding compensation for damages. That's also something that naturally happens with such uh, incidents as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, jumping to the second word. Monopoly probe. Yes, so as you can imagine, uh, the disruption of the cacao service uh, and a lot of its subsidiary services uh, affected the daily lives of a lot of the public over the weekend. And so when the public is upset, politicians usually get involved. So what kind of backlash from the political sphere is Kakao expected to face? Right. Well, uh, President Yoon Song-yeol, he chimed in as well, said the state would, be, uh, would respond to revamp the system, considering communication networks as a part of the national infrastructure, in his words. And he hinted at a response involving both the legislative and administrative branches. Uh, the government is also looking at whether a cacao monopoly could distort the communication network services market. Uh, of course, lawmakers are rushing in to try and um, uh, provide some sort of uh, legislation in the matter. They hurriedly promised to devise 
legislative measures to prevent a recurrence, calling the service failure a national disaster. Uh, lawmakers also decided to call Kakao founder Kim Bon Su and other business heavyweights, including neighbor CEO uh, Chesio as well, to an upcoming session of a parliamentary inspection that's slated for next Monday. Um, so they're likely to face a grilling and Kim will likely explain the company's disaster recovery plans and efforts to determine the cause of this nationwide disruption. It is nationwide because Kakao is the nation's most popular messaging app with uh, 47.5 million monthly active users in Korea. That's more than 90% of South Korea's population. So that's why um, it is getting a lot of attention, of course, as you'd imagine. Uh, the presidential office also sees the service disruptions as a serious problem that could even harm national security if left unaddressed. And the National Security Office, therefore, decided to form a pan-governmental cyber security task force to respond to the cacao service failure. Do you agree that it's on a scale of a quote-unquote national disaster? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm going to be careful in what I answer, but uh, <laughs> I think there are risks since it is a very dominant messaging and, uh, and not just messaging, but a tech platform that's used in Korea. A lot of services uh, are affected um, and tied in to Kakao, uh, a lot of people's daily lives and... Uh, their well-being and uh, their money makers are also linked to cacao as well. I mean, a lot of taxi drivers were affected by the service failure. So, yes, it could be a national uh, disaster, uh, but um, I'm going to leave that to the politicians to decide. I think it was a big wake-up call, though, without a doubt. And uh, also, maybe showed how great of a business strategy cacao had had for the past maybe a decade. Uh, you yeah. know, rolling out different services. Uh, you almost didn't realize how much uh, as a uh, general society we were dependent on uh, one program or one firm. So That's right. I mean, Korea, Korea is a very wired country uh, to start off with. Um, it used to be neighbor, but now Kakao is kind of uh, taking the lion's share of that. Uh, and it's, it's putting its uh, foot into a lot of other businesses as well so you know they're all tied in hence the why it is a wired country but uh, yeah that's why there's a lot of questions about is the monopoly any good uh, for the country uh, but we've seen with such cases that it does cause problems of course absolutely okay jumping over to the third keyword of the day covid return Okay, uh, the dreaded return of COVID. So although the pandemic has died down a lot recently, uh, COVID-19 is still uh, amongst us as we still get our daily uh, health notifications. And one health official believes that a possible resurgence may occur towards the end of the year as the weather gets colder and uh, cold and flu season nears. That's right. So that forecast was by Chungi Suk, who is the head of the National Advisory Committee on Infectious Disease Crisis, basically an advisor uh, for the government in terms of infectious diseases. Um, he said uh, that a new COVID viral wave may occur uh, in early December, and he urged people to at high risk of infec infection uh, to receive what's now become of bivalent vaccines that have been coming out in the country. The government, for one, has recently granted emergency use approval for Pfizer's COVID-19 bivalent vaccine, which is an improved vaccine, basically, developed to respond to the Omicron variants. 
Uh, Tong stressed that Korea needs to prepare a mid to long term response as well in advance and said that the country uh, should consider adjusting the COVID-19 quarantine system. Uh, the country has seen a gradual downtrend in new infections since peaking at over 180,000 cases in August. It's well into the five digits now. Uh, yesterday's figure was just below 20,000, uh, but that was possibly due to fewer tests over the weekend as well. The figure is about 2,000 cases more than last Monday. Um, so whether that is the start of a resurgence, I'm careful to say, but uh, it has been quite volatile, so we'll have to see in the weeks ahead and months ahead to see if an actual resurgence does occur. Yes, and just uh, for our listeners abroad, Korea is uh, still, uh, a lot of the public is mandated to wear masks uh, indoors and in close quarters. Uh, I know a lot of uh, parts of the Western world, uh, such as the United States and Europe, have kind of moved away from the masking. But we are continuing to take a very precautionary stance toward COVID. Okay, uh, the fourth keyword of the day. Moving in. So President Yoon is about to move into the new presidential residence in Hannamdong. Give us the latest on the renovations that are currently ongoing. Right. Well, the renovations, they're pretty much almost complete, but uh, it's a matter of security measures and moving uh, luggage. And moving movers have begun to carry boxes out of President Yoon's home to the new presidential residence. Officials say him and First Lady Kim Gunny could complete the move at the end of this month, so within a couple of weeks. Uh, Yoon has been commuting to the presidential office in Yongsan uh, from his private residence in uh, southern Seoul, while renovation work has been underway. Uh, the new residence was actually previously used as the official residence of the foreign minister, and renovation work was practically completed in July. Uh, the move has been delayed due to the need to put security measures in place. Um, the relocation is expected to shorten Yoon's commute to around five minutes from the current uh, 10 minutes. Uh, so not much of a reduction. Uh, it was pretty close uh, to start off with, but um, it's this, whether this uh, might alleviate some of the concerns of those residents in Yongsan uh, due to traffic uh, remains to be seen, though. Uh, a presidential official also told Yonat that Yun is expected to use the banquet hall in the new residence to hold candid talks with politicians and other prominent figures uh, over dinner. Um, Yoon's chief of staff, meanwhile, Kim Dae-gi, is also reportedly planning to move close to the president. His, his new residence used to be the official residence of the deputy commander of the South Korea-U.S. Combined Forces um, Command. Yeah, I mean, the commute time is only five minutes, but uh, he does not need to cross the river. So mm -hmm. maybe the morning commuters that uh, go across some of the bridges or maybe the Gangbuk or the Olympic Highway might get some relief. Mm. Um, I figure his main morning commute route will now go through Itaewon. So the residents of Itaewon might have some morning right. rituals that they need to change up. I guess so. I mean, considering traffic in Seoul is already pretty hectic uh, as it is. Uh, yeah, you can't please everyone. So there's always going to be some area that's affected. Yes. Okay, uh, Adam, the fifth and final keyword of the day. Yasukuni Ritual Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida has sent a ritual offering to the controversial Yasukuni War Shrine, again sparking anger from Korea. 
Right, so he sent what's known as the Masakaki offering to mark the beginning of the Shrine's awesome festival. Uh, Chief Cabinet Secretary Hirokazu Matsuno said the Prime Minister sent it as a, quote, private person. But Kyoto News reported that the Masakaki was sent with a board that stated Prime Minister. Uh, he is expected to refrain from paying a visit in person, though, according to people uh, close to him. Um, now, the shrine, for those who don't know, honors Japan's war dead, including 14 Class A war criminals. It is considered a symbol of Japan's military aggression, and visits by state leaders uh, and even offerings are often protested by here, uh, officials here in South Korea, as well as China as well. Uh, Trade Minister Yasutoshi Nishimura went to the shrine on Friday, in fact, before the festival actually began, and a couple of other officials um, are planning to visit in person as well, or already have, have done uh, so far. Uh, Seoul's Foreign Ministry voiced deep uh, regrets over Kushida's ritual offering. The ministry also urged Tokyo to face up to history and demonstrate remorse with action over Japan's wartime history. So pretty much the uh, same reactions that come out every time such incidents occurs. Um, interestingly, no Japanese prime minister has actually visited the shrine since 2013, uh, when a trip by then-premier Shinzo Abe sparked fury in Seoul and Beijing. That also prompted a rare diplomatic rebuke from close ally uh, the United States. But whether it's a visit in person or a ritual offering, it still angers uh, neighboring Korea and China nonetheless. All right, Adam, thank you so much for the wrap-up, and we'll speak with you tomorrow. You're very welcome. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.